Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. buy or sell what the hell and i'm your host jason jenkins i'm with alec as usual and um self-proclaimed name of the way he brought it to me dimitrik who actually runs the uh the sh- you know runs the show with the uh dimitrik why don't you introduce yourself i've been t- <laughs> talking all day oh, perfect i love it hey guys oh. uh you know me as d I'm host number two of the Bitcoin podcast and host number two of Block Channel. And I've been on many podcasts and now I'm happy to be uh, another guest host or co-host, frequent co-host of Buy or Sell, yeah. What the Hell. I just like being on all the shows on this network because I love podcasting that much. So, <laughs> We're going so yeah, those are the words I was looking for. We are, we've been shooting video all day here for some marketing stuff. So it's hard enough for me to get the words out and, and you know in a meaningful, organized manner. So now it's just going to be even worse. But we're still <laughs> talking here at the office at six. Um, you, you're putting in the late hours and the early hours. Yeah, it's been a, it's, it's been good. It's been good. We, uh, you know, typically we want to try to get this rolling a little bit more frequently uh, during the week, and as we decide on exact you know, dates and times or um, what days of the week we want to do this. One of the shows that we want to start doing uh, more frequently is talking about, hey, just some of the current events in the market, what we, where we think as far as um, the price action, what we're seeing, where we think the opportunities are, some of the sentiment. Because, you know, we get a lot of, I would say we have, Alec, you'd, you'd probably agree we have a pretty good s- feel for the sentiment just based off of some of the attitude and the emotions of the traders in our in our uh chat stream yeah um, i mean it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good uh, too. yeah um so alec i don't know where do you want to what news you want to start off with what do you what did you want to hit on uh i mean it's kind of it's kind of hard not to uh not to hit on that long-term uh bear market you know my quotation marks in my hands right now because you know everyone's saying it's a it's a bear market where you know what has it been a week two weeks maybe yeah and we we're talking about crypto that sounds like you know <laughs> forever um gosh you know we yeah. talk about on the institutional side i just saw a quote that came across twitter maybe that ray dalio was talking about bonds he thinks are entering a bear market well man i think rates started to kind of go on an uptick last year but now there's it takes a while for you know the investment community to really start to call a a market a bear market so that just looking Mm -hmm. at bonds that's been over a year before people are starting to come around to that conclusion 
Um, and literally, yeah. I got a question for you, JJ. I'd mm-hmm. like to know. So somebody who's, you know, you've been, look, you've probably seen more charts in your life than I would ever see if I started looking right now. And mm-hmm. why does it feel like they always, not they, I mean, people in general are kind of in denial about a market if it's a bear market? <laughs> uh, I um, I think that's a lot of human psychology, to be honest. Um, I think that's something that in crypto, there's so much enthusiasm right now about the space for good reason, right? Technology, everything that is happening there and all the, mm-hmm. you know, everything that all these great development teams are working on. And there's a lot of excitement around the space. And obviously it's been the best performing asset class. So that becomes a little bit reflexive where, the more the price goes up, the more it's self, you know, self-reinforcing, and it pushes the price higher, um, et cetera. But when people kind of build into their mind that there's only a bull case, nobody's really short in these markets either because it's kind of a one-way market at the moment. Um, I think the psychology is people are only thinking of the bull case constantly right now in this market. Kind of indicative of markets that are a little bit frothy doesn't mean it can't keep going further, of course. Um, but I, th- I think the thing there that when you mentioned that, Dimitri, is kind of makes me think about this, the psycho- psychological side. We, we always try to, in our trading, I teach my guys and gals that you want to be flexible in your expectations, but you want to be rigid in your rules or rigid in your discipline. And what happens when, from a psychological standpoint, if you build in your mind a scenario that, hey, this project is going to this price or these guys, this development team, this is the coin, nobody can touch it. And, you know, you can get yourself all worked up about why this is the greatest coin. It's going to be the, you know, it's going to take out Bitcoin or be the next, the, the next generation coin. You can work up that scenario in your minds so much to a state that what actually ends up happening is because of the way we've been conditioned to block out things that are harmful to us. So we don't like being wrong. You're taught that growing up in schools and and so forth. But if you build that up and you're very rigid in your expectation of what you know, beyond a shadow of doubt has to happen, right? Bitcoin's going to go to a million. When you have, when you build that into your mind to a point where you're just going to block out all the other, uh, the negative all the other information that's coming at you telling you actually, you know, <clears throat> the charts breaking down or, um, mm-hmm. you know, you you start to vi- violate what normally you would, you wouldn't do because you've just built in your mind that this has to happen. That it's, I don't know, those are just some of the psychological things that can happen that we, we mm-hmm. kind of work on as traders. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'd I'd say it also goes the the other way too. Uh, I mean, there's just with with how the South Korean news has been playing out lately, uh, it's hard to believe that you know something's not someone's not manipulating it. With how easy everyone can just be turned upside down from so optimistic to so pessimistic so quickly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my thoughts on that, it's almost like, and I don't really get into conspiracy very much, especially as far as like manipulating markets, it's really tough to do. But it seems like 
there's some bigger players that actually want the market to come down so that they can load up at lower prices. And that seems like it's all, oh, we'll just, that's the only thing that gets the market down is threats of so-and-so regulating or banning the market. And then they come out and say, oh, actually we were just, you know, <laughs> that was just an idea. We were just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we just rang the doorbell. Yeah. We weren't banning. We just wanted to come inside. Like that's, <laughs> The China and South Korea, they've been doing that for, what, since 2014 now? Yeah. Like, every right. every three months, like clockwork. Oh, we're I, banning. And it's like, well, you said you are going to ban. It's like, no, we said we were getting Band-Aids. We are getting Band-Aids <laughs> for everyone. You just misheard us. Oh, yeah, we bought a 1,000 Bitcoin. That's no coincidence. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I wouldn't surprise me. That's somebody's strategy over there. It sure seems like it. Um, Do we have any more what the, news? Any more news? I don't know. I mean, I saw that uh, saw that Coinbase made over a billion dollars last year. I mean, if that doesn't uh, doesn't show the the pace that this marketplace is expanding, that's yeah. official, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Official like a ref with a whistle. <laughs> Coinbase is making money over there. I think I saw one guy broke it down to them making $2.4 million a day. And I thought like, oh my I just, goodness. I make so many bad decisions in life. If I'm not making $2.4 million a day, how do I get <laughs> there? That's, so, that's insane. Yeah. I don't know. So with, with, with that many new users coming in, what, what do you think you could expect to see? I mean, as this market starts to mature, I'm just surprised the big boys haven't the light hasn't gone on for some of them yet. I mean, yeah. what does it take for Fidelity to to start? You know, I, I forget the the merchant license you have or the money change license you need to have in each state to do what Coinbase is doing. I'm just surprised that the uh, the old establishment, older Wall Street firms aren't flooding in to compete with that it just seems uh, it's, that, a head that surprising. it's interesting you say that i think that a lot of it's pride and I, you know, old honestly, dogs i, I guess that's it is pride is that i just put try to put myself in their shoes right and say i'm fortunate enough that you know the podcast network that i've built up is something that is is big and people know about it and like i'm old i'm like 60 years mm -hmm. old and some young whippersnapper comes into my office talking about shit i need to do with my podcast network i'm gonna just <laughs> like dude what did you just graduate from college what are you doing yeah. just <laughs> tell me about new things yeah you don't even know where the term podcast came from do you <laughs> yeah you, you, don't you never you never had an ipod <laughs> We were talking about that. Is that where the name podcast that phrase came from? Was that all Apple pretty it's much? It's another Steve Jobs uh Steve Jobs marketing genius move. Uh, was, the was the podcast creating words. You know, actually I saw a tweet today that today, I think 1984 was the first day that um the Macintosh went on sale in the US. Really? Hmm. Was, this yeah, is a historical day then. Yep, I was one year one years old. I don't know if this is yeah. this ties in, but old Wozniak 
has been coming pretty public about his Bitcoin fandom too. I saw an article about that today. Oh, really? Where he was like, "Yeah, Bitcoin's basically better than gold and dollars." And I was like, "Yes." An article that leads <laughs> into what I believe. Not only gold, <laughs> but also King Dollar. It's way better than that too. Yeah, I like that. Old Steve Wozniak still got some. You know, I I think that's what it is mainly is, is fidelity, the fidelities of the world, and um, maybe even the e trades of the world. They 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 probably don't want to listen to anybody saying new, mm-hmm. and it, it's change is tough. Yeah, yeah, and especially yeah. if it's coming from a bunch of young guys that really haven't proven themselves. Mm-hmm. Like you go out to Silicon Valley, and not a lot of people know about finance. They're just like making stuff and breaking stuff, and that's cool. <laughs> but they don't yeah, really know true. about finance, and so yeah. you know, you get these young kids in hoodies and pajama pants with some Jordans on, walking into your office talking about crypto, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. uh, not so much. It doesn't, right. I don't, you know, you're not. They're not even going to believe the the money that's being made, or right. the money that's being circulated, the market that's being born. They're just not. They're gonna. It's gonna be like Blockbuster. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, that's exactly right. And I, I, you know, we. I'm. Just, there's still a lot of that talk on the trading desk. And I think this year is finally the year that you're not. It's not going to be a joke on the trading desk. I mean, I. I even had a little bit of that attitude in 2012 or 2013. That you know. Okay, what is that? How do you trade that? You know, that's the biggest short ever at when something goes <laughs> triples right off the highs and then and then kind of look at it, you know, six months later, it's like, man, I, I just love the volatility, but I don't know how to trade it. Well, if I can't figure out how to trade it, then how is this thing going to, how is it going to survive? If it's so, comp- you don't, you can't even buy it. How do you forget it? Mm. And people are still talking that way up until I would say, the end of last year and you know now the cme you got the C- cboe on board it's this the smart money is not it's yeah. not a laughing matter anymore we were just talking about though <clears throat> today alec and i were just you know if if you're if you're on the street and you're a money manager though your job is to not miss especially if you're a big global macro guy you're supposed to go wherever the trend is, wherever the flow, the most opportunity is. So to sit there and say, Bitcoin, I don't think it's legitimate. And to me, it just says, one, you haven't even spent 10 minutes to look into the technology or read you know, Nakamoto's white paper. You read that, it's pretty tough for an intelligent person with a light bulb not to go on. But then really to say, well, I'm supposed to sit here and run money, but yet I missed the biggest bull market in the last two, three years is the best performing asset on the planet. I mean, how can you say it's not legit? You just, your job is not to miss that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, I, what else, what else does the market really have to do to prove itself? Right. And I guess that tells us too, we're yeah, go ahead. We're still we're still kind of early at, at some point. I mean, not early like the early adopters, but this is definitely the institutional phase of this kind of three-phase bull market. And there's still a lot of skepticism from, I guess you would call it older money. Um, anyway, anyway. Yeah. 
I think I can add to that. I think I can add to why they're they're missing the boat. Um, some of it's just confusion. Honestly, I'd be really <laughs> confused if I go to Bitcoin.com and they're like Bitcoin Cash is Bitcoin, and then you go to Coinbase and it's like I have Bitcoin Bitcoin Cash now, and I have yeah Ether. That's and true. And yeah. there's, you know, that was the problem. I think I think two years back when we first started the show, we used to talk about the, the problems of a contentious fork, and mm-hmm. that's the problem is that no long there's just confusion in the market now. I my mm-hmm. my sister in law texted me just two weeks ago. She's like, "Hey, I went on Coinbase and I think I just accidentally bought like tens of thousands of Bitcoin cash. Is that a good thing?" And I was like, "Oh <laughs> shit!" <laughs> right. Uh, it's not a terrible thing. That's what I said. that's that's all I, that's right. all I that was my answer for. Is it. It like it's not a terrible <laughs> thing right now, but <laughs> by the orange uh, one, you know, by the yeah, orange exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So that if I, you know, that's probably another reason why they sit on the sidelines, Alec, is because yeah. it's just confusing. And now you've got people trying to benefit off of forks, which is yeah, even, I can see that more confusing. So, I mean, but, and I heard along the fork lines, you know, I heard a pretty smart trader talk about he he originally backed in. He was figuring out they were discussing how do you value Bitcoin. We could talk talk about that maybe in another podcast. It's, it brings some pretty good ideas to the table on that. Um, anyway, he was talking about, well, how do you value it? And he was saying, originally, I just was kind of backing into the gold market, comparing the market cap of gold. You know, Bitcoin's obviously serving as a store of value for the most part. People kind of associate it with the new gold, yada, yada, yada. And so he originally came up with a million dollar price target would make sense if it was to be a similar market cap. But then he started, but then this whole fork thing plays out and he's like, sorry, but how do you make the case that Bitcoin is a fixed supply and there's going to be only 21 million coins when essentially you just prove the community has just proven that you can just fork the same blockchain. You can just keep forking it. So you're not, it's, it doesn't really have limited supply. If that's the case, if you could just, in theory, keep forking. So he's, he was saying that, that my supply, my idea of the supply side completely changed on that the forking stuff. And I was like, that's, I think that's a good point. It is no, a good yeah. point. But you also follow the hash rate, what kind of makes that point moot. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he's got a great point, but you are forking the Bitcoin and theoretically doubling the amount of coin for that mm-hmm. instant. But you're not doubling the amount of miners to to mine all that coin. The miners are going to make a decision, and that tells yeah, you which one's Bitcoin. So, right. I think right. he's a very. Yeah, but, go ahead, go ahead out. But but you're still making value out of. You're still adding value, even even if it's not hash rate. Uh. Yes and no. I mean, it. Some of these forks, if you watch them, they crash down to zero instantly. The ones that are marketed a little better to be a little bit more scammerific, they crash down maybe yeah. two weeks after they fork. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they're forking. Maybe they could be. This is my theory: is that they could be miners themselves, and they fork off, and they're the only ones holding their token or keeping a hash rate on it. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really know, but 
what I do know is the bulk of the hash rate decides which one Bitcoin is. And yeah. even to that point, it keeps switching back and forth between Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin Cash. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that answers the question that we started with about 10 minutes ago. Is that it's just still too confusing. And yeah. until there's a consensus around what Bitcoin is, then we can start to bolster that that market. Right. So it does need to be simpler. Uh, um well, just, you, uh, we should do a yeah. we should do a podcast on uh the different ideas and how to really value Bitcoin. I mean, we we talk a lot about it in our trading that it's not really necessary to start with valuation because the timing actually matters way more, obviously. But there's some very interesting ways you could talk about measuring the amount of users, right, of a particular blockchain or coin. Some guys have been putting together equations where you take the square of the number of users. That's actually tracked Bitcoin price really well. Um that makes sense. Um, oh, man. You know, not Metcalf. Um, um, is that I don't know who was doing that. I think it's Metcalf's law. I'm not too sure. Could be wrong there. It's like the size um, of the network kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, the size of the network, i.e. the users, right? Yep. And then they take the square of that is basically uh, some logarithmic scale. <clears throat> well, that's what I mean. We have to put together a little bit more specifics and uh, to have more of an intelligent podcast about it. Yeah. Now, what about, so we did talk about news. Oh, we also didn't mention, I meant to mention, you know, CBOE, CME, they got futures and NASDAQ pretty much said they're going to do it today as well. So that's three biggies. Oh, the, the NASDAQ did? Yeah. They said, actually, oh, they kind of got a little, they got a little funky with it. They said, our futures contracts are not going to be like the current ones that exist. So they're trying to make a statement with their entrance. Mm. It's like, all right, NASDAQ, wow. we'll get you. Has <laughs> um, anyone hint at, hinted at doing futures on anything other than Bitcoin? Because that, that would be nice. Some Ethereum futures. Um, we got to start or, somewhere. They got to start somewhere. Yeah. I thought it was interesting from a timing perspective that CBOE, CME was what, a week later, if that? Anyway, CBOE comes out first. Uh, futures start trading pretty close to 20,000, right? And then the low, which was Monday, last mm-hmm. Monday before the Miami Bitcoin conference, which we could probably talk, talk a little bit about that because all three of us were there. Um, but from a timing perspective, I just thought it was interesting that they – Started trading near the high, and then basically on the low of this move was the day that the first contract expired. Um, I don't know. I just thought from a cyclical timing perspective, that was pretty interesting. They started trading near the high, and then we basically put in a pretty good uh, bottoming tail on Monday, and that was the exact day that the first month of expiration. So I don't don't think it had convenient. Yeah, <laughs> you say, Alex? yeah, it's definitely not a coincidence. No, yeah, so not ironic I mean, at all. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I just notice certain things like that in the market. Sometimes it's a big news event that will put a bottom in the market. Um, that just comes like a 
a weird trader feel when you've traded enough. And you're, every day you're in the office, every day you're paying attention to the same market. And so you kind of have a stream of whatever the narrative is. And then if something really makes a big move to the downside or upside and there happens to be a big uh, like news event, sometimes that'll mark the high or mark the low. I thought BitConnect, you know, them finally going under was maybe one of those events that might put the low in the market. Because people from people, it's if it the market's in a, you know, we're having a pretty hard down week. I think that Monday, Sunday, Monday was was probably one of the biggest two day routes we've had in the crypto markets. And it's like sometimes right into all that bearishness, you have a really bearish um, news event like, oh, BitConnect went under, which isn't which isn't new news to anybody that's has half a brain about, you know, what those guys were. But the point is that when you get a really, what should be a negative news headline, right, for crypto, that's that's kind of embarrassing, a kind of a black mark on on cryptocurrency story. And if the market reverses on that type of event, sometimes that just tells you that that the low is probably in. It's, it's just a thing in markets where it's bearish, 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 and then the actually even worse news and the market doesn't go lower on it and the market reverses. That's, that's sometimes a good, um, uh, kind yeah. of, a, you can cue off that, that maybe that was it. That was the low right there. And then you, that those events kind of stick out in your mind. Um, yeah. So, uh, so speaking about these highs and lows here, you looking at a chart, what have you been looking at lately? Yeah. Um, been playing. so, you know, we let off with the show. Everyone's a little bit antsy. <laughs> for markets to scream back to 100 percent a day um it's it's been a natural um consolidation really we've had several of these moves where we retrace 50 percent or 80 percent of of a move up that's pretty dramatic in most markets but crypto i mean bitcoin's done it several times um yeah but from here, I know we were, I don't, I can't remember, we definitely talked about it in the room and in our community that once we went through 75, 17,500, that was a pretty mm -hmm. key technical break. We like to follow the eight period moving average. So if you're looking at a daily chart, we, we cracked that. And so that leaves room for the market to, to retest like the 30 day or the 50 day. We, we use some exponential uh, moving average bands, but that's, that's exactly what happened. We cracked. 17,500, the market uh, pulled back basically in four days in a row straight down to that 12,000 mm -hmm. area. And then we've been pinging around 10, you know, 12,000 back up to 16,000. Then we came back down to 12,500, back up to 16,500, back down to 12,500 again. So we traded both sides of that intermediate term range three times. And then going into that uh, the week before last, we finally did break the bottom of that channel mm -hmm. around uh, 12,000 area. And so then uh, <clears throat> the intraday low from the 22nd of December was 10,000 basically on BTC for, for the most part. And that was the intraday low on the other majors, you know, like Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, they all made that, that low on the 22nd. And so we broke 12,500 and now we've been retesting that, that low from the 22nd. And you can see right now, we basically, we're kind of been pinned right to that level. Um, so there's a couple of places to watch on the upside. 
the lower high that we care about that would turn the intermediate term back bullish is at 13,000 now. So we can mm -hmm. watch 13,000 on the up. If we can, if we can get above there and then close, you know, gain traction above 13,000, give me like a daily close or two days in a row, then that, that should be a new higher high and you can get an intermediate term, some of this momentum back into the market. But until then, it's probably going to trade like a wet Kleenex down here. It's just, there's just not a lot of energy. Um, people are antsy. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. And then on the downside, 10,000 has been big. So we've had a couple intraday moves below 10,000, but you haven't closed below it. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of quants or computers or uh, um, there's a lot of technical traders. Or there's even a lot of machines that will give a daily close below 10,000 serious significance. So in our model, you close back back below 10,000. We're going to be playing a lot of defense. I mean, I would probably cut 80 percent of my long position and just wait and see. Because in our stuff, if you break 10,000, there's a good shot you're going to retest maybe what we call our pie line, which is down at 6,000. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of people that I th I like to think we were pretty vocal about taking some profit into 20,000 just because how steep of a, an angle of the, the climb was and, and the, the cycle was high. But there's a lot of people that probably entered the market up there just on, you know, CNBC was going crazy for four days right into that high. Unfortunately, people, a lot of, that sucks in a lot of people, and they've already sat through a 50% drawdown. If you break 10,000, you got to, you know, I don't want to sit through another 50% drawdown all the way back to yeah. six or, or 5,000. So, um, so you're, so you're kind of just sitting on the sidelines for now until something shakes out. Yeah, we, we cut some risk at 17,500. We, we traded it around a little bit off the, around that 13,000 level up to 16,000 a couple times, and then Going back through 12,000, uh, mm -hmm. we took some more risk off and just moved the cash to the side. You know, we just move into cash, go to the sidelines and just wait and see. You know, you don't always have to be all in or all out. <clears throat> if, you can, if you can see this intermediate term downtrend that you're in, there's sometimes it's better just to kind of get off the, the railroad tracks and you can let the train come down, you know, and then you can always get back on. But anyway, those are the two levels that I would that we're watching, and I think makes sense. Ten thousand on a closing basis on the downside, and then thirteen thousand on the upside. That makes sense. Yeah, and just to reiterate too, you know, we're talking about not not dropping everything down at ten thousand, holding it back up to twelve. We're talking about adding, you know, ten mm -hmm. twenty percent of a position, you know, and playing that around, adding ten percent here, taking off a little bit here. We're not talking all just throwing it all here and playing it yeah. to here. Yeah, we're not we're not hodl hodl guys. <laughs> yeah, just uh just to reiterate we haven't seen the other ones, but Yeah, we like to trade around the position. Yeah. Anyway, that's kind of what we've been talking about in the room. That there's a lot of traders are so antsy, like Yeah. When, just forcing us. When's this bear market gonna end? And, uh, oh my god! And really, it's just it's just resting, you know. <laughs> I I know you love questions like I love questions like that, and I'm not even a hundred percent day trader. And I love when people, which <laughs> happens at least I don't know twenty five times a week now, 
and where <laughs> you know people are like, "Hey, what's gonna happen in the future?" And I'm like, uh, <laughs> "What? I don't even. <laughs> why are you asking me that? I don't. I don't have a freaking crystal ball. If I knew what was gonna happen in the future, I, I mean, you think I would be driving a Kia? I don't think so, man." <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know. But, I know you have to, to you have to mess with them a little bit sometimes. <clears throat> yeah, but I think, but to your point, when it's come to, I have traded before, and it is. It's not only fun, but it's also it's kind of like an art slash discipline. Like whenever I was trading on a daily basis, I got better and better at using the indicators that, you know, I put on the screen and I did yeah. make a little money. I only lost money one time and it was glorious. I lost like <laughs> 75 Litecoin. That was way, I know you might wow. be gasping now, but that was way before Litecoin. Yeah. <laughs> it was like when it was like $2 or something. Wow. Um, And I tried to play, I think, not the futures, but. Uh, wherever you kind of like bet on a future price and then you get paid yeah. and you hit it. Well, I did that and like five minutes later, my 75 Litecoin was gone. I, I, I <laughs> It was just gone. I was like, well, I won't be doing that anymore. But I learned my lesson and then I kind of worked that up into trading Ether against Bitcoin. And we did that for, for quite a long time. So, so, so Dimitri, you're... You remember what your low buy is on Litecoin then, or did you mine all that? Yeah, uh, mine Litecoin. You said I did mine a bunch of Litecoin, and my lowest buy on Litecoin, I'm proud to say, was a dollar seventy. I think. Wow. I caught it at a dollar seventy. Um, no, 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 two dollars and seventy, two dollars and seventy cents. That's, that's um, awesome. Yeah, that was good, and I bought Marcello's too. So, ha. Ah. <laughs> He's gonna hate that. Right. Hopefully, Litecoin gets to a point where he can really hate that. That's all. I'll buy him. Buy him some. He didn't well, change. Well. He didn't change his mind after like. Went oh, to he's three, to confirm now. Ten to thirty. Well, he's the biggest bear on Litecoin. There is. He doesn't even talk about it anymore. It's not even. <laughs> he's willing to bring up. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um. Gosh. I don't know. Was there anything what you wanted to discuss? Well, I mean, if you want to, if you want to wrap it up, summarize it. What you're looking at, Jason. So we're sitting at we're right under uh, we're under 1,200 right now. For, uh, ETC. So what what sort of action are you going to be looking for? You know, I don't know. Before you start adding, you never know what the never know what the catalyst is really going to be. Um, yeah. But from a cyclical perspective. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a lot of monthly down cycles, and it looks like we're just in one. So some of these monthly cycles have been two to three months at most. We haven't had like a really long monthly cycle. For like, for example, in Forex, you could have a monthly cycle that plays out that will last six, nine months where the, you know, whatever currency pair just goes basically, um, on a monthly chart and just trends in that direction for a long period of time. Bitcoin hasn't had that. We haven't had a bear market at all from my standard, from a trend perspective, how we view the trend. So most of these 
monthly cycles. And when it does kind of roll over, they've only been two to three months. So we'll see if that same type of duration plays out on, on these cycles. Um, um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. What was I going to say? Oh, so, I mean, we like to keep an eye on different frequencies. There's an 8.6 frequency um, that the global business cycle is on, actually. So, um, gosh, <clears throat> that's one of the things I like to talk about a lot. I don't want to get into it, but like 2007 was the peak in the real estate. 8.6 years later, 2015 was the last peak. Um, but there's an 8.6 year frequency, and that exists on all time frames. It's just one of the cyclical one of the wave formations that, that we've kind of found. And when you look at the monthly chart of Bitcoin, it's gone one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, depending on how, when you want to count the breakout, whether that was in April of last year, the really big move we had through a 2,500 area, we are, we basically had that same eight to nine count into, um, into December and, uh, and last month. So I, from a cyclical standpoint, it doesn't surprise me that we might have another two to three months to just either sideways trading like we're doing or, you know, sometimes the markets have to trade where the most pain is. And I think if two go through 10,000, that's why I think you have to have be a little bit disciplined there and play some defense because there is a chance that you really will take a lot of these weak hands out of the market and maybe push it down to like five or six before you make a significant low and so from a cyclical standpoint that would kind of play out at least maybe another two to three months if that monthly cycle plays out so i'm not in a huge hurry to get really aggressively long here i don't you know you get back through thirteen thousand, then you can maybe say that all right let's put some more capital to work but i think if you're just patient in here you, you the cycle plays out you probably have plenty of opportunity to um to you know have some good good levels to buy i guess is the best way to put it um, i like that uh, i like that i like that quote of yours where markets move to where the most pain is mm -hmm. people got to realize that yeah i know what that feels like it's tweetable <laughs> right there it's 2018 we got to find a way to get that tweeted <laughs> that's well that's your forte no. <laughs> Let's get it tweeted. Um, <laughs> Let's get it tweeted. <laughs> it's, it's weird that that's our reality now, but that it is. It is what it is. That could be the uh, episode title right there. Yeah. Let's get it it's, tweeted. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not cool unless you got Reddit upvotes. <laughs> that's very true. You know, somebody's uh, probably like used that on a date before, and it worked. Like, hey, girl. I get <laughs> I get I, I get twenty thousand Reddit upvotes a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's probably he's probably been like catfished by somebody. Oh man, Manteo, <laughs> you know, <laughs> is that your real is that your real girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, man, I totally see her neck on Skype. <laughs> Anyways, we should, oh. we should wrap it up. All right, that sounds good. Well, um, go for it. Well, Dimitri, thanks for coming on. I guess we'll have you on a lot more, kind of going forward. Um, you guys are, you guys are the best at putting these together, and uh, we'll just try to do our best to come at with 
come at everyone with um, what we think is relevant in the markets. And I like doing a recap. And then what we actually didn't talk about coins. We kind of like maybe we can touch on that Friday if we start doing a Wednesday, Friday thing. But I, we'll, we'll let everybody know. And, um, yeah, that's all I had. Yeah, and where, uh, where, how can someone get involved, Jason? With uh, they want to start trading with you or to learn how to trade from me. Yeah, we're um, we're kind of in a transition where we're starting a digital asset management firm called um, Block Edge Capital. But in the meantime, we're still operating under Jenkins Risk Management, which was the firm that uh, you know I started, and then you know Rita and I and Alec. Um, but anyway, go to JenkinsRM.com and underneath the services tab that. If you go to the chat room, that's the easiest. It's free to pop in there, you know, say hello. You can interact with all our different traders. You have traders all over the world. And then from there, I don't know, just wherever you're kind of at in your trading journey, if it's, hey, I just would like some real-time alerts. Uh, we have a $99 product that we we um, that we have for um, for clients. And we, we have some great calls, and we've had some really – some big winners in there um for a hundred bucks i don't think there's anything that high quality out there i haven't seen it um or there's some traders that are just further along in their journey that want to learn to trade i i we have video it's um nine hours of video i talk about our trading model how to view the trend the cycles put it all together talk about the three pillars of our trading model model which is analysis execution and risk and then we also have uh some people that want to do uh, coaching and that's where we trade live and we really, uh, you know, work on yourself as a trader and um, uh, that's a great option too. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, Sounds good. That's all I have. Uh, Alec, you see you're, you're <laughs> traveling tomorrow. So yeah, yeah I'm going to head out here in just a little bit. So going back to Atlanta. Good, right, uh, well, good talk, guys. Yeah. Dimitri, did you guys talk on your channel at all about Miami already? Uh, we talked a little bit about it last uh, in the last episode. Oh, okay. Or, sorry, two episodes ago because we got another one that dropped today. Episode, so if people uh, are curious about the Bitcoin conference in Miami, they should just go check out that episode. You're probably burned out talking about it. No, I could talk about that. I've never seen anything like that. I could probably talk about that for another few days and I'm done with it. <laughs> So, but, uh, yeah, all right. let's, let's talk about that on we'll Friday. pick that up in the next episode yeah all right so yeah Friday good. show all right all right, all right guys well good Bye, stuff everybody. thanks everybody for tuning in